Happy Mother's Day. Can all the men in the room give it up for all the ladies in the room? Happy Mother's Day. We love you. We honor you. And uh, we celebrate you today. And uh, we're excited to do that all day. Amen, guys? Amen. amen. Only half of you said amen. <laughs> Just, yeah. Listen, I'm, uh, I'm so glad that you're here today. And uh, like I said earlier, I think you made a great choice to be in church today. We're talking about something very important uh, as a church body in this series. We're doing a series called What Would Jesus Say To? And then there's a blank. And so we've talked about war, talked about deconstruction. And today we want to talk about what might be the one that doesn't necessarily seem like it fits in the series. What would Jesus say to parents? But in light of the things that we talked about in the first two weeks, I think it's never been more important for us to talk about what Jesus would say to parents as we come into the space that the first two weeks of chats, (laughs) and I say chats because my sermons only scratch the surface of what those conversations entail. And so right out of the gate, I want to just say to you as we wrap this series up today, uh, we're going to do some bonus podcast episodes uh, just to keep that conversation going and uh, help you think through war and deconstruction and parenting as we as we keep going as a church family, even though we can't cover everything here. Uh, we want to create a little bit of content to keep digging into some of that and get some other people's input as well. So keep that in mind. But today's task is to ask that important question. On this Mother's Day, and really, the question is, what would Jesus say to parents of today? What is the call? Because parenting is difficult. It's not all difficult. It's extremely rewarding. But in in light of the things that we've been talking about, there are innumerable challenges that we face spanning all the issues. Bio, psycho, social, spiritual, all of them in the shaping of a human being. Our children, we didn't know when we had them we would have to suddenly become experts in biology, psychology, sociology, and spirituality, did we? But there's a reason that cliche is true. Out of the mouth of babes, right? The questions that we get... The things that they say, all of the control that we try to exercise, all of it, as Solomon once wrote, meaningless. (laughs) Additionally, when you think about it, we've undergone a pivotal and distinctive time in secular society for parents. Think about this. Out of last week's conversation, we're now raising kids in a post-truth society. What is that? We talk about postmodern, post-postmodern, and like, what's the next one? The next, we're, we're there. We're in a post-truth society. And so everything that your child will walk out into in the world is going to point them away from Jesus and toward this idea that there is no truth. Or at least knowable truth. Certainly no truth that we ought to be imposing on them. 
And that is pervasive in every single way. And we talked some about that last week, but it's out of that that it has become extremely challenging to parent our kids as they walk into schools and sports teams and different environments that they will find themselves as things like gender is redefined or marriage is redefined, government and business relations, relationships to family issues are being refined. We watched that play out recently with Disney. Nobody really knows what the role of anybody supposed to be in a post-truth society. And it's only going to get more complicated. It's only going to get more complicated. And so as society around us secularizes and loses truth, we have to, as Christians, not just parents, but Christians, not anchor ourselves to the shifting sands of culture but rather to the rock of the truth that is Jesus and his word. We do that because it has stood the test of time. It has stood the test of time. It has stood the scrutiny of biology, psychology, science, sociology, and spirituality. It is true. And it stood the test of time for truth. And so all of that to say this, what does Jesus have to say about children? And here's what's great. Even if you're not a parent today, as we talk about these things, you are a child of some parent. You are a child of God. And you have influence over a child somewhere. And so even if you don't have the direct responsibility of parenting a child at this moment in time, you may in the future, or you may just be somebody who God's called to influence people for the kingdom of God, because we're all kids at some level. So what does Jesus say about children? What is a child's intrinsic value to Jesus? I could take you to so many places in the Bible, but for sake of time, I want to land in Matthew chapter 11 as Jesus is preaching and teaching uh, to adults and kids get rushed into the picture, we see a wonderful example of how Jesus viewed kids. Look at Matthew chapter 11, verse 13 to 15. It says, Then children were brought to him that he might lay hands on them and pray. And then how many of you know? The disciples <laughs> always had something to say. Look at what it says. It says the disciples, the guys closest to Jesus, rebuked them. Now listen, this has been going on for centuries. People judging other people's parenting. It's been going on for centuries. It's going on here. What These parents, get your kids away from Jesus, right? Like, like we see these things and we're like, you know, it just blows past us because of scripture. But these were real people on a real mountainside in a real field listening to a real Jesus talk about real principles. And these parents are like, exasperated and are like, they need Jesus. Can I get an amen in church from the parents today? They need Jesus. Nothing else is going to help my kids. They need Jesus and so do I. 
So they bring them to Jesus that he might lay his hands on them and pray. Bring your kids to Jesus sounded like the best option. (laughs) And yet, the disciples, the guys leading the body, starting the church, had to learn a really important lesson that we ought to learn as well. So they rebuke the people. But then listen to what Jesus' beautiful response is. But Jesus said, no, 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 let the little children come to me. And do not hinder them, for to such, what a statement this is, for to such, so for to kids, belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. What a powerful declaration by God in the flesh. The kingdom of heaven belongs... To kids. Let that sink in. It doesn't belong in seminary. It doesn't belong in pastoral authority. It doesn't belong to any of these other places. Jesus says, no, no, no. The kingdom belongs to kids. Now we know in the broader scope of our theology that, you know, Matthew 5 is there and there are Ways that we are seen to be in the kingdom, but Jesus makes it very pointed to say that the kingdom belongs to the kids too. Important for us. Why do we invest so much time and energy into Redeemer kids? Why do we encourage our students and kids to be a part of the things that we're a part of? Because Jesus thought it was important enough to do ministry among the adults with the kids. So important. And so then we go to Proverbs chapter 22, 6, and we couple what Jesus said with what we're called to in the wisdom literature of Scripture. It says, train up a child in the way he should go. And even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So, so those scriptures, I want to ask you a question. What are you building your parenting on? What are you building your parenting on? Because if you Google it, if you check the bookstore for it, if you get on Amazon for it, there's a bajillion and one things that are going to tell you how to parent. We don't even need to get into baby wise and all the things that you all know, like this is the right way. And did you know, I'm going to get in trouble for this. Did you know that people are super opinionated about the way you are going to parent. Can I get an amen in church today? The moms know. Moms know. Dads are like, what do I say? Listen, everybody's got an opinion on everything in case you haven't been alive the last two years. Where do you get away from the shifting sands of culture? Even within the church... Because we're sinners too, welcome. It has to go back to Scripture. It has to go back to Jesus. It has to go back to the values that you set in place in your life because you're a follower of His. What are you building your parenting on? What are the blocks that we build with as parents? I think Jesus in this passage gives a clear and compelling vision for your parenting. For what your role is in parenting. Right out of the way he chose to interact with kids. 
And I want to give you three. We don't have time to go through all of the parenting seminars that exist. And I'm not going to try to give you everything that you need to parent today. But I want to give you three things to start with. Three categories that you can start to build with. Three lanes that you can think about as you parent your kids. And simultaneously, those of you who don't have kids... You're Jesus' kid, and these work for you too. These work for me. Number one, first building block, if you're taking notes, and I would encourage you to write it down so you can think about it later, maybe ask questions later. Number one, physically. The first building block that Jesus shows us is physical, and isn't it really important in this day and age that we talk about this? Because... There's been things like the Me Too movement. There's been uh, incredible abuse in the church of children throughout the history of the church. You go all the way back to there was such thing as a children's crusade where children were like, adults aren't doing it, we're taking over. (laughs) That's simplifying it. But it's important for us in this day and age to ask questions of what God has to say about the things that are at the forefront of the issues of our time. But look at what happens here. It says that Jesus laid hands on them. We don't have time to do all the research on the importance of physical touch to a child, or to you for that matter. The statistics are astonishing at what a hug for 30 seconds does to your physical body. Of what a kiss does for just seven seconds to the physical body. Biologically speaking, Jesus was ministering to kids. Wouldn't you just love and long for and hopefully someday get just the touch from Jesus? Can you think of anything better, more meaningful than the Savior of the world who would give his life for you and for me? To put his hands on you and pray. What an incredible thing. He laid his hands on them. Jesus was not intimidated by kids. He did not see kids as a nuisance. No doubt the disciples were rebuking the people because that's just what we do. We judge other people's parenting. But on a more generous note, they were probably thinking that this is really important adult spiritual discipleship happening right here on this hill. We don't need the kids being all noisy up in here. You see that hand. But listen, healthy physical touch is one of the best ways to train your children in the way they should go. Where else will they learn healthy boundaries? No doubt in a room, even of this size or watching online, that some of you have experienced inappropriate physical contact from somebody you did not want it from. How do, we, how do we teach our kids to respond to that, but also not to become that, right? It starts in our homes. It starts with appropriate physical touch. They will begin to learn proper boundaries from you. They will also physically learn how to have a voice for themselves within the family setting. So that when they step out of your family, they're prepared to have a voice for Jesus in the places that they find themselves in the public square. 
One of the things we, we tell our kids is that even at home, you can say anything that you need to say as long as you say it with respect. I don't ever want my kids to be silenced because I'm the authority. God has given me authority over them, but it's to steward them in the grace and mercy of God so that when they get to the end of that, they say, man, my dad was definitely not perfect, but man, he pointed me to Jesus who is. Even down to, if you are parents in the room, one of the little things that we try to do with our little daughter is that if we're playing and tickling and hugging and running and and she says, stop, stop, at any moment, even if it's laughter and fun, we stop. We're teaching her what physical boundaries are. We teach our boys, if you're playing with your sister and she says, stop, I don't care what you're doing, you stop. Right, Because we're creating this environment where she understands that she owns the space that her body occupies. And so she's, she's learning that. And we could go through a hundred different examples right, of parenting. But just the intentionality that as you look around and you see the issues that are going, Jesus has something to say to us about all of those things. Because you are made in the image of God and in his likeness. And so is every other human being. What does it look like to follow Jesus? What does it look like to train up your child in the way they should go physically? So important that they would love the Lord their God with all their heart, their mind, their soul, and their what? Strength. Their body. Our faith is not just a theory. It is a physical reality. We embody our faith in the way that we choose to live and breathe and move. And we could... Keep unpacking that. I would say, if you're single today, if you don't have kids, this can be modeled in your friendships and dating relationships. It's so important that we are thinking proper boundaries, proper respect for each other, because physical touch is the healthiest or the unhealthiest way into physical intimacy. Physical intimacy is huge, and it can be amazing But the devil has distorted that terribly. Pornography is not intimacy and it's not okay. You should just know that. Not okay. That's one of the things where Jesus calls you to crucify your flesh daily. Because that is a child of God on the other side of the screen. It's not just a, a video or a picture. It's a child of God. And we until we think that way, we won't change our ways. That that's God's daughter. That's God's son. So important. And we, we could just, we just keep going. But what, what you're recognizing is that you're dating with a purpose. You're trying to find somebody who uh, is not compatible with you, but is somebody who is going to join with you in serving God for the rest of your life. And it will probably include, as it does for most families, children, who then you will together lead and train in the admission of the Lord. So we, we, we think with the long-term view. And we also recognize that we have those proper boundaries because if it ends up not being you, single folks, you are dating and discipling right now who will be somebody else's future spouse. So we don't steal from them what we want now. We just keep going here. According to John, Johns Hopkins medical research, one of the causes of a medical condition called failure to thrive 
is this. Listen to this definition that Johns Hopkins puts out. Emotional deprivation as a result of parental withdrawal, rejection, or hostility. Give your kids hugs. Kiss your kids. Play with your kids. Tickle your kids. I especially encourage you to grab their knees right here. It's great. It gets them every time. Why? Because God made us with bodies. Tell your kids to take their shoes off and go walk in the grass and roll around in the grass and get dirty. It's okay. It's not okay for your floor, but I get it. Listen, I am the first offender of choosing to parent my kids at times in ways that make my life more convenient instead of allowing them to be kids. And can I just call all of us to let our kids be kids? Secular society is telling them that they can make decisions at ungodly ages about their bodies, and they can't. And it's okay for the church to say, we don't think that's what God made us to do at that age. And we can have that complicated discussion, and I would love to have that. But kids are kids. And I have three of them. And they can't even remember to brush their teeth and flush the toilet. Let alone make a life-altering decision. And I say that in jest, but I say that because somewhere along the way, the church has to rise up and speak the truth. With great love because we love kids. And we care about people physically from the womb to the tomb. And so we care about abortion right now. We're having this conversation as a church body because we physically care about people. And we care about children from conception. They are human beings. And I've seen the pictures. I felt the kick on Camden's tummy. Living. Breathing. Human beings. And they're wonderful. They're gifts from God. You want to know what else we care about? We care about women who are raped. We care about women who miscarry. We care about all people. We also care about people of color who do not have the same experiences that we have. Who are people who have majority status in this culture. We care about all people. Because what is the second greatest commandment that is just like the first Jesus said? Love your neighbor as yourself. So if you don't want to be treated that way, don't treat other people that way. And I recognize, and we're having these conversations as a church body because they are super complex. And the answers are not always, but up, but up, but up. And we go. And if you don't follow, you're an idiot. No, we, we understand that life is complicated. War is complex. Deconstruction is complex. Parenting is complex in this day and age. But there are things that God is so clear about that he cares about all people. From the moment of conception to the day that they take their final breath and go stand before Jesus. And we care about them too. In every facet. It's especially important for our children because Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 18 verse 6. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to fall away. It would be better for him if a heavy millstone were hung around his neck and were drowned in the depths of the sea. That was Jesus y'all. 
He's like, you'd be better to be killed by drowning than to lead one of these little kids away from me. You say that in church. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you can. Physically, number one. I'll try to get through the next two much faster. (laughs) After physically, we see that there's a spiritual component to our parenting that Jesus gives us. Spiritually, it says he prays for them. I love what Mark Batterson says. This quote will be on the screen for you. Uh, Because I resonate with what he says regarding our parenting. He says, it's amazing our kids even survive our parenting, isn't it? (laughs) Did you ever have that moment? You're like, I'm a terrible person, terrible human being. I'm sorry. (laughs) Here's what he says. You don't have to do everything right as a parent, but there is one thing you cannot afford to get wrong. That one thing is prayer. Prayer, listen to this. This is so powerful. Prayer turns ordinary parents into prophets who shape the destinies of their children, grandchildren, and every generation that follows. How do you train up a child in the way he should go? You teach them how to pray because I can't think of a better place for your child to be than in communion with Jesus. Teach them how to pray. Teach them how to talk to the Lord. If the kingdom belongs, if the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven belongs to kids then there's no better thing to teach them and train them than to pray to the king. So important. This is how we help our kids renew their minds in a secular culture that thinks backwards is forwards, that right is left. Without Jesus and the reliability of scripture, we're lost. Without a compass, we're lost. If there's no truth, if we're past truth, then then we're lost. And nothing anybody has to say matters because it doesn't matter. But I'm here to tell you that there are things that matter deeply. Train your kids to pray. Teach them to pray. The shifting sands of culture are getting impressively, impressively difficult to navigate. With all the issues and with all the things. And that is not a dig at culture. It's sad. And we're all a product of that culture in some way, shape, or form. But we're also a product of the kingdom of God called to make Christ's appeal to the earth through the church. So important. Why is it important for you to just even be a part of the church? Any church? This one? Because the people that walk in here need you. Need you. Why be in a city group? Because we need you. Let me give you a simple method as parents to teach you your kids how to pray. And if you don't have kids, let Scripture give you a model of how to pray. Look at this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 16 to 18. What do, I, what do I want to train my kids in when it comes to spiritual things? Here it is. Rejoice always. There's so much negativity in culture today. The only things that get covered, I say only, Almost always, the things that hit the feed are negative. Scripture says, no, 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 rejoice always. Number two, pray without ceasing. Teach your kids that praying is not when we sit down, fold our hands, close our eyes, and pray formally. No, 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 no. 
Prayer is a conversation. What does it mean to pray without ceasing? Some of your translations will say pray always. What does that mean? Just constant communication with God. I'm about to walk into a test. God, I'm about to walk into a test. Help me. God, I'm about to go to a tryout for a sports team and I I feel scared. Will you help me? God, I have a friend who's struggling and I want to tell them about you, but I'm afraid because I'm afraid of what they're going to think of me. Help me. God, I'm going to go to work today and I'm depressed or I'm tired or I don't really know what I'm doing or will you help me? And it's gonna it get it gets more complicated, right? Like God, I I am afraid of this person, or God, this person's hurting me, or will you help me? Prayer is the essential thing in our relationship with God. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. That's a lost art. And it's one I need to work on. Give thanks in all circumstances. Why? Because this is the will of God. You want to know what the will of God is? You ever ask that question? I just know what God wants me to do. Yeah, you do. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. For who? You. Me. All of us. Spiritually. Physically. Spiritually. And then finally, socially and emotionally. Number three, socially and emotionally. Listen to that statement again. The kingdom of God belongs to them. It's awesome. Moms and dads, show your kids their purpose. Show your kids their purpose. You're not just a first grader. You're not just a fourth grader. You're not just a middle schooler. I like to joke about my middle schooler because you're awesome. But he's not just a middle schooler. He's a child of the king. He's an ambassador sent from heaven to earth. God is making his appeal to the people around him through him. Through your kids. Through you. I can't think of a greater thing to give your life to than the mission that God has his kids here on earth for. The kingdom belong. They were made in the image of God who loves them and called them according to his purpose. Romans 8.28 And their life will work out for good because they're called according to his purpose. Their purpose is to love God and love others as much as they love themselves. We can help our kids socially and emotionally if we connect them to the purpose that God has for them. That it's not about getting picked first on the recess team. It's not about just getting good grades. It's not about pleasing mom and dad. It's not about living out mom and dad's dreams that they didn't get to fulfill, that they now want their kids to fulfill. Preaching at myself. You should see me at a hockey game. My nine-year-old, I'm like, I'm like, I turn into a different human. I'm like, you're embarrassing. Yes, I am. Not sorry. <laughs> I don't know. Like, what our kids have great value and purpose as children of God. Amen. I want to pray with you again. 
And then we'll sing one more song before we officially celebrate moms. We have a gift for you at the end of the service. But um, I do want to take just a moment and pray for you. Pray for those of you watching online, for parents especially, but for all of you. For all of you that are followers of Jesus. And even if you're not a follower of Jesus today. uh, These reasons that I shared today are reasons that you ought to consider following Jesus. Because the shifting sands of culture have been shifting from the moment you took your first breath until today. And they are fickle and they will continue to be confused. But there is a way for you to find purpose in your life. For you to have a true north and to follow it with all that you are. Knowing with certainty. With certainty is basically unavailable to you today. But we do know the one who holds certainty in his hands. His name's Jesus. And I would encourage you to consider following him today. The uh, Bible says it's real easy. If you just confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he rose from the dead, you will be saved. And then the hard work starts. <laughs> but I'm so glad you were here today. And I hope that that will speak to you uh, and help you on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. The model for our life. But let's pray. Let's pray especially for our moms and for our parents. And then we'll sing together one more time. God, thank you for your goodness. Your word says that we can taste and see that you are good. Father, I believe Redeemer City Church is planted right in the heart of Tampa for this moment. For those of us that call Redeemer home to be your ambassadors to this city, offering a different view than what they're being offered. Because of you, Jesus. I pray especially for the parents in the room and really for all of us that you would give us wisdom, that we would build our house on the rock that is you, and not on the shifting sands of culture. I pray that you would help every single person that calls Redeemer home to be salt and light in the earth, that we would bring your flavors to the world, that they could taste and see that you are good for your glory in the church. And I ask that you do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. We love you. We love you, Jesus. Come on, why don't you stand with me and let's sing this out to him.